Good morning. It's really good. Wow. Um, let me ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the first eight verses together. Give careful attention to the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father God, in these brief moments, we pray that your spirit would work by and with the word to transform our hearts and minds. Father, we pray that you would make us loving. We pray that you would make us brave. We pray that you would make us ready for whatever adventure you may call us to. May Jesus be glorified, we ask, in his mighty name, amen. Uh, the text came in at 6.07 on Saturday morning. Uh, my son and his wife were on their way to the hospital. Grandchild number three was due to arrive. Yes, thank you. Um, born at 9.44, he weighed in at seven pounds, three ounces. Um, he doesn't have a name yet. Uh, my granddaughter, who is a kindergartner, wants to name him Sam, which would be okay, except his brother's name is Samuel. And I said, honey, we won't be able to keep them apart. She said, well, I will. So um, I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't think Sam is going to be it. Uh, but last night, I, I stopped in to check on the new baby and how everyone was doing. And there was my granddaughter on the couch with the baby in her arms, and he was sound asleep. He had been fussing, and apparently when they put him in Isla's arms, he went right to sleep. And there was my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson dancing around the room trying to show his baby brother every single toy he has. And as I walked out to the car, I said to myself, this is a Psalm 23 moment, right? My cup runneth over. The mercies of God, right? And at times like that, we, we feel like they come flooding over us like a wave. 
why isn't it that case all the time? Why don't I remember the mercies of God when I'm stressed or when I'm distracted or when I am feeling pressure? It's so easy to forget, and the Apostle Paul wants us to remember that the mercies of God cover us from our first moment here on earth until the moment we go into the Lord's presence to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if that's true, then we are to utterly and completely devote our lives wholly to him. And Paul's gonna talk about a dedicated body and a transformed mind and a sacrificial servant spirit. First of all, he begins with a consecrated, dedicated body. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Uh, this is not quite a command, but it's more of an exhortation. It's the same word in classical Greek that was used to exhort people that were getting ready to go into battle, right? To, to get ready for the conflict that's coming. And Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, and the original is plural here. He is thinking about all the mercies he's been talking about since chapter 1 up through chapter 11, right? The, the human condition, chapters 1 to 3, we are sinners by nature, even my new grandson, and sinners by choice. We sin in thought, word, and deed, in the things we do, the things we fail to do, and there is no health in us apart from the grace of God. So Paul will say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are the mercies that he has in mind. Uh, think back to Romans 8 when he says that we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us, bearing witness with our hearts and spirits that we are the beloved of God. And that spirit prays for us when we don't even know what to pray. And then Jesus himself, risen from the dead in a glorified body, is standing at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you today by name, and he's written your name on his palm so he'll never forget. And nothing in heaven or on earth, not angels, not demons, not famine or flood or fire or covenant college is going to separate you, beloved from the arms of your Savior. You are held tightly in the grip of his grace. And Paul says, if that's true, then I urge you, I implore you, in the old King James, I beseech you by the mercies. Present your bodies as sacrifices to the Lord. And he uses three adjectives to qualify what he means by presenting our bodies. First of all, he says a, a living sacrifice. Uh, back in Romans 6, Paul puts it this way. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, right? We have been brought out of darkness into his glorious light. 
so that we could present our bodies as living sacrifices that are holy, they're set apart to God. He's our one and only, the most important person in our life. And lives that are pleasing to him. Paul will talk often about walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord, right? That, that we would live lives that, if you will, bring a smile to our heavenly Father's face, that we belong to him. And Paul says, this is your reasonable act of service, or in the old NIV, this is your spiritual act of of worship. Uh, the word logikos, from which we get our English word logic, means this is the kind of attitude that a thinking person would have. But it's not wrong to translate it as spiritual because we are not disembodied minds on sticks, right? We are in the Hebraic understanding bodily souls. To the Christian bodies matter. They matter to the Lord. Jesus has a glorified body that he'll have for all eternity. And I tell you, as I get older, I'm waiting for mine, right? I think it's going to be great. Not in a rush, mind you, but just anticipating uh, what it will be like to have that glorified body when we are with the Lord and with one another forever. It's reasonable, it's logical, it is spiritual. And it's your act of worship. The word latreia um, means worship. It can also mean service. Uh, beloved, there's no distinction. When you go to the um, track today, or I guess it's still cross-country, to the cross-country trails to run, you can offer that to the Lord as your spiritual act of worship. When you go into the science lab this afternoon, or to a calculus class, or even to a Bible class, you can pray as you go in the door, Father, let this be an act of worship to you, right? Because you and I are not our own. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, we were bought at a price. And so for the believer, there is nothing that's okay about putting substances in our body that have no earthly business being there or engaging in sex outside of marriage in ways that breaks the heart of the Father. Our bodies matter to God, but of course our bodies are apart for the whole. Will we set ourselves apart so that we can know, right, uh, what God is calling us to be and to do? Uh, I'd like to follow ultramarathoners. I do not like to run ultramarathons, right? Those days of dreaming about that are way past. Uh, but one of my favorite um, ultramarathoning heroes uh, is a woman named Maggie Guterell, and you probably missed this, but in 2019, she won the Big Dog Backyard Marathon, which isn't a marathon, it's an ultramarathon. And what you do is you run four mile laps until there's only one person standing. She ran for 60 hours, 250 miles, until everybody else had dropped to the ground, right? And here's, here's what Maggie said, and it's a word to the church. She said, when I commit to something, I'm all in. Beloved, are you all in this morning with the Lord? Right? Is he your one and only? Are you presenting daily your body to him? 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And then Paul says, but let's talk about a transformed mind as well. Uh, Don't conform, verse 2, any longer to the pattern of this world. And in the original, it's actually to this age. Every historical moment and social location has its own ethos, right? And Paul says, don't be molded, or rather, uh, J.B. Phillips, um, paraphrasing Paul, says, don't be forced into the mold of this world, but rather be transformed. It's the word from which we get metamorphosis, right? Be utterly, completely changed. Do you think that a caterpillar has any idea of what it's like to be a butterfly, right? And to sail on to the Yucatan. Absolutely not. Paul says, you and I need to be utterly transformed from the way that the world around us is thinking. And that is a constant work of renewing our minds. But beloved, it's not something that you and I just do. It's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. This is our progressive sanctification where every day we wake up and say, Holy Spirit, good morning. I don't know what you've got, but help me to renew my mind this morning. Help me to be loving. Help me to be brave. Help me to be ready for whatever adventure you're going to send. Amen. And your feet hit the floor, and you're off and running. Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve or to discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So I I started thinking about, well, what are a couple of areas that I could point out as areas where the church seems captive to the world's way of thinking? And I came up with two. Um, If I had more time, I'd go on longer. Number one, that our hearts would be broken by the things that break the Lord's that our hearts would be broken by our things that break the Lord's. In prophets class, we read the book of Amos last week. You know, the prophet Amos, not a professional clergyman, but he's the one that says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. And in the book of Amos, one of the concerns is that the hungry are fed. So I, I pulled up on the computer, Feeding America, and um, a website that Walker County runs to show how many children under the age of 18 are food insecure within a couple of miles of the college. In 2020, just a year ago, Walker County estimated that 70% of the children under the age of 18 in Walker County were food insecure, at high risk for being food insecure. Feeding America was more um, conservative, they estimated 16%. Whatever the number, it's way too high. And so in class, we were talking about how can it be that there are people, and in Hamilton County, it's 16% of kids are going to bed hungry. How can it be that we who have experienced the mercies of God and have his spirit to enable us to walk in his ways are okay dumping food that we don't eat, but we have taken into that trash bin where we turn in our plates in the dining hall while children go hungry. And one of the guys said, you know what we ought to do? We need to stop that. And ask the dining hall to take the money saved by us not wasting food anymore and give it to food banks in the area. 
And I said, wow, that would be an awesome thing to do. So let me pass it on to you from my brother. That would be an awesome thing to do, to have our minds transformed, to see uh, people in our community who need to be fed, right? And to do something about it. Secondly, we had our Missio Day conference on Friday, and Dr. Richard was sharing with us about the 1.9 billion Muslims in the world that haven't heard about Jesus. Will we pray that they come to know who Jesus is? Uh, recent graduates, um, Chris and Savannah. Uh, Chris has been working in business, Savannah in education. Uh, they have just in the last few months been approved by Mission to the World uh, to go into the Muslim world to work with an unreached people group, right? Um, their hearts and minds, not, not that there's anything wrong with being in business or in education, of course not. Those are hugely strategic places to be. But the Spirit is putting his hand on some. He's going to put it on some of you to join them in doing that. So that's one area, breaking our hearts with the things that breaks God. Secondly, um, not coveting against his providence. Not coveting against his promise, providence. Um, Francis Schaeffer put it this way. He said, a quiet disposition and a heart giving thanks at any given moment is the real test of the extent to which we love God at that moment. Can we believe that God's will for our lives today, right this moment, whatever your situation is, is good, pleasing, and perfect for him, of course, but that it's good, pleasing, and perfect for us. James Montgomery Boyce, when he shared his cancer diagnosis with his congregation, put it this way, he said, if God wants to do something in your life, would you change it? If you would, it wouldn't be as good. We need to be men and women whose minds have been transformed from the mold of the world into seeing things from God's perspective. And then finally, we need a sacrificial servant spirit, Paul says. Verse 3, for by the grace given, I say to every one of you, first of all, do a sober assessment of your gifts and abilities, right? So I'm listening to the worship band. That was amazing. I felt like we were just entering into the Lord's presence. And I would love to play and sing with them. But you wouldn't love it if I did, right? Because I don't play that well. And I do not have a voice that was ever intended to be overheard outside the shower singing. <laughs> right? So sober assessment is in order. Don't count yourself greater than your brothers and sisters, right? But within those boundaries, in accordance with what we believe God's calling, the measure of faith, uh, the standard of God's word, use your gifts to serve your brothers and sisters. And he's not giving an exhaustive list. This is for men and women. Uh, this is not just spiritual gifts. These are any abilities that you have. You belong to one another, we're going to spend eternity together, so let's bless one another with the gifts we have. If your gift is exhorting people to follow the word of God, then exhort away. And may God give us ears to hear and to listen. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. 
And one of the things I love about being in this place is I get to see you stand with each other in joy and in sorrow, encouraging one another to walk in the ways of the Lord. Right? Paul says if it's contributing to the needs of others, give generously. If it's leading, lead. So those of you that are leading the student government, do it to the glory of the Lord. It has strategic, eternal significance. If it's leading worship, sing to the glory of God. Everything you do, Paul says, do it to the glory of Jesus. And as we do that, something extraordinary will happen. And I think this is true of Covenant College. Look at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Right? In brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That is a, discuss- a, a description of what Covenant College is becoming. As we offer our bodies to the Lord and as we seek to have our minds transformed by the Spirit, then as we use our gifts to encourage and support one another within the body of Christ, and when we do that, God can do extraordinary things. One of my, excuse me, Bible majors, Thanks to whoever gave this to me. One of my Bible majors from about 10 years ago uh, came into my office one day and she said, hey, Dr. Ward, I gotta talk to you. I said, yeah, what's going on? I figured it was some, I don't know, issue with a guy or um, she was an ultra marathoner type, uh, did triathlons, I thought maybe it was about a race. I didn't know. And she said, I had the most extraordinary experience last night. And I said, well, tell me about it. It seemed that she was training for a triathlon. So she had gone running downtown at 11 o'clock at night. Now, I want to encourage you not to do this. This is not a good idea. But in the providence of God, he had led her onto the walking bridge where there was a young woman perched on the rail about to jump over the side. And MK went up to her and she said, hi there, (laughs) can we talk? And if you had ever met MK, you would know that she has this kind of compelling personality to which you cannot say no. She's just kind of irresistible in that way. And so when she said, hey, would you come down here? Let's sit on that bench. I, I wanna hear your story. This young woman miraculously got off the rail and came over and sat down and poured out her heart to MK. And MK spoke to her about her own struggles with depression, and then she spoke about the hope that she had in Jesus, and then then she called 911 and got some mental health professionals to come and help get the woman the help that she needed, but not before she connected her the next day with someone in a local church near where she lived. Are are you ready to pray, Lord, make me loving, make me brave, make me ready for adventure? These are words from the Book of Common Worship of the Presbyterian Church. They're not magic, but it's the offering of ourselves to be used by the Lord whenever, however, He in His providence and wisdom chooses. 
right? And it's urgent that we do this. In chapter 13, Paul is going to say, the night is far spent, the day is close at hand, so let's put on the armor of light, right? Let's saddle up, as they say in the old westerns, and be ready uh, to ride into the future with the Lord Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for these men and women. I just am in awe of their gifts, their love, their devotion to you. And I pray that as they progress through their studies, that you would reveal more and more of yourself to them, that they would offer their bodies as living sacrifices, that they would be constantly renewing their minds through scripture and through worship in the power of the Holy Spirit, learning and discerning what your will for them is, and that you would then take the gifts and talents and abilities you've given them and make them effective to the blessing not only of your people, but of the nations of the earth. Father, may it be so to the glory of Jesus, we pray, amen.